Howdy friends, this is Matt Sewell, and you're listening to episode 59 of the Popecast, the only podcast about popes for people who love history and a good story, but have neither the time nor the interest to pick up dry, dusty history books. Before we get into it this week, a quick congrats to Jaden, the winner of our Popecast Instagram giveaway this past week. Jaden's getting some super legit stuff from Catholic Bomb Co., who are also our sponsors again this week. Specifically, Jaden will be getting their two newest offerings, some Integra Natural Deodorant and Petra Solid Cologne, along with some Popecast stickers and a copy of John Paul II's great book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. So thanks to everyone else who participated. If you'd like to check out more, of Catholic Bomb Co.'s offerings, especially during this no-shave November, head on over to catholicbomb.co, catholicbomb.co, and use the word Pope, P-O-P-E, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Thank you, as always, to the guys at Catholic Bomb Co. for sponsoring the podcast. Well, our Pope this week, you might not know, but odds are you know about something he did. I'm talking about the biggest and oldest unreinforced concrete dome in the world. He converted it from a pagan temple into a church, which has been in constant use now for over 1,400 years. This week on the Popecast, it's the Pope who baptized the Pantheon, Pope St. Boniface IV. Boniface was the son of John, a doctor, and was born around the year 550 AD in what's now the province of L'Aquila in southern Italy. Although this era in church history is usually pretty sparse on detail, Boniface has at least a notable exception thanks to his proximity to one of the greats, Pope St. Gregory the Great to be exact. Boniface was possibly a student of Gregory in his younger years, but it is certain that he served Gregory as a deacon prior to his own election and held his mentor in the highest esteem. Boniface was assigned by the humble monastic pontiff as his dispensator, basically the Pope's right-hand man when it came to administrating and dispensing the papal patrimonies, the possessions of the Holy Roman Church for the purposes, presumably, of taking care of the poor and things like that. Boniface ascended to the chair of Peter on September 25th, 608 AD, after an interregnum of nearly a year, and followed the third Boniface, who had died just before Christmas in 607. From what we can tell, the delay was for no other reason than the requirement in those days that the emperor in Constantinople must confirm the selection of a new pope before he was allowed permission to start. So word had to travel all the way from Rome to modern-day Turkey and back again before the new pontiff could get rolling. Not ideal. Once in office, Boniface IV received a gift from Emperor Phocas, presumably either for his election or coincidentally soon after he was chosen on behalf of the Catholic Church, that of the old Roman pantheon, the great circular temple built to the Roman gods at the height of the Roman Empire. Pantheon, right, literally meaning all the gods. Boniface IV wasted no time in gaining Focus's permission to turn the pagan temple into a church, which it remains to this day. Boniface fittingly dedicated the church to the Virgin Mary and all the martyrs, officially today called the Basilica of St. Mary and the Martyrs, and more informally known as Santa Maria Rotunda. Now, when they said all the martyrs, they apparently meant all the martyrs. Now, after consecrating the pagan site into a Catholic Christian church, the Catholic Encyclopedia recounts that Boniface had, quote, 28 cartloads of sacred bones that were said to have been removed from the catacombs and placed in a porphyry basin beneath the high altar, end quote. Now, I'm not sure how big a cartload was back then, but hot dang, that's a lot. 
Now, the Pantheon has been in continuous use as a church for these 1,400-odd years, and despite some stripping of its ornaments at various times throughout the centuries by greedy kings and priests, Boniface's intervention undoubtedly saved this architectural marvel so that we could honor it today. It's indeed, again, the oldest and largest unreinforced concrete dome in the world. Saved it from abandonment and ruin at a time when so many other Roman buildings suffered such a fate in those days. Now, this was the first instance in Rome of a pagan site being converted into a Christian church, and it's also thought that the tradition of dropping rose petals from the oculus, the great open circle, in the roof of the basilica, nearly 150 feet above the ground, on the day, 50 days after Easter, Pentecost, even to this day, still happens, that it dates back to the very first Pentecost after Boniface's dedication, symbolizing the descent of the Holy Spirit upon Mary and the Apostles in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Now, that's something that's a little tough to back up and to start your papacy off with, but Boniface still had a couple of other notable achievements during his reign. The next year, in 610 AD, Boniface IV received a visit from Miletus, the very first bishop of London, to, quote, consult the Pope on important matters relative to the newly established English Church, end quote. Miletus stayed a while in Rome to help in a meeting of bishops on monastic life and took the council's findings and letters from the Pope back home each to the Archbishop of Canterbury, all of England's clergy, as well as the Anglo-Saxon king and the Anglo-Saxon people. The last notable part of Boniface's papacy has to do with one of the great saints of Irish history, St. Columba, or St. Columbanus, as he's sometimes known. Columba was living in Bobbio, Italy at the time, somewhere between 612 and 615 was when he was acting in this case, and wrote a now-famous letter to the sitting Bishop of Rome. His letter, urged on by the Lombard king Igolof, was a bit audacious and at times was out of place, but at least had some tinge of prophetic encouragement to the Pope at times. It specifically addressed the theological controversy now known as the Three Chapters, basically documents that were causing a stir for dabbling with heresy and trying to reconcile some branches of Christianity who had broken away between the 6th and 7th centuries. But at any rate, Columba was wrong, of course, in accusing the Pope of heresy, as he did. That's uh, never a smart thing to do, shall we say. But that was the strange part of the letter. As the Catholic Encyclopedia notes, aside from that, the letter is, quote, remarkable at once for its expressions of exaggerated deference and its tone of excessive sharpness. The letter of the impetuous Celt, who failed to grasp the import of the theological problem involved in the three chapters, seemed not to have disturbed in the least his relation with the Holy See, and it would be wrong to suppose that Columba regarded himself as independent of the Pope's authority. End quote. So Columba definitely did not separate himself from the Pope, nor did he from the Church, but he was rather expressing his concern, however misguided at times in the letter, and exhorting the Pope, at any rate, to hold fast to the truth. So here's an excerpt in that latter vein, an excerpt that's maybe more than a little applicable to our current moment in history, particularly for those of us who call ourselves Christian. So here's Columba writing to Boniface, quote, the world is on the wane. The chief pastor is drawing near. We are standing on the verge of our time. Our days are full of perils. Behold, nations are troubled and kingdoms are bowed down. The Almighty shall quickly utter his voice and the earth shall tremble. Take care when he comes that he find you not neglectful of your duty and striking your fellow servants with the blows of bad example and eating and drinking lest you suffer the consequences of your false security. It is not enough to be solicitous for yourself. 
for you have taken upon yourself the care of many, and to whom much is given, from him much is also required. End quote. No arguments there. At least that excerpt is straight truth. Now Boniface IV, following in his mentor Gregory's footsteps, had his reputation for holiness preceding him throughout his papacy, not to mention his fortitude in dealing with what would have been at times utterly dreadful conditions in and around Rome. The Eternal City in those days was in a sorry state. By that point in history, famine, disease, and earthquakes all struck Italy during his time. And nearer to the end of his life, Boniface lived life as a humble monk, having converted his own house into a monastery like Gregory the Great before him. He went to his eternal reward on May 8th, 615. He had been pope for six years and seven months. Now Boniface was initially buried in the portico in the entryway of St. Peter's Basilica, but his remains were moved three times over the ensuing centuries, and they now lie in the left transept of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, under the altar of St. Thomas. Sadly, we don't have a quote from the pen of Boniface IV to close us out today, but perhaps it will suffice to remember him every time we hear about or see photos of that great marvel in Rome, at the very least every Pentecost, which exists today because of the intervention of this Pope, the one who baptized the Pantheon. Well, that's a wrap on this bio of Pope St. Boniface IV. A special thanks and shout out to Philip and our other newest patrons. If you're a Popecast superfan like them and would like to join us on Patreon to get early access to every new episode and other fun benefits depending on your tier, be sure to check out patreon.com slash thepopecast. For those of you who are already patrons, of course, we're super grateful for your support. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts once again for a buck or two an episode for those of you who aren't. Uh, buck or two an episode or more if you like you can join the community too at patreon.com slash the podcast and aside from that please be sure to drop us a rating and a review over at itunes if you like this episode and make sure more folks like yourselves can find and listen to the show plus we'll be sure to give you a shout out on a future episode and read that out on the air and then as soon as you're finished listening today don't forget to hit that share button on your podcast or your spotify app and text this episode to a friend who you think might enjoy it too Now, thanks, as always, for listening to our listeners, new and old, but especially those who have found us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook recently. You can always catch us there in between new episodes at The Popecast for lots of other great stuff. So as we head out today, let us ask for the prayers of Pope St. Boniface IV, that we, as St. Columba wrote, not be neglectful of our duty to ourselves, to our family, to our neighbors, and above all, to our God. Until next time.